Hi, I'm Mel Clark, filling in this week for Sam Hawley and coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Rising rents are biting around the country and in some towns, even those with steady work and a good rental history have been priced out of the market. Charities have switched from helping with rental applications to handing out tents. Today, Four Corners reporter Louise Milligan on how tens of thousands of workers have been left with no place to call home. Louise, it used to be that if you were a low-income worker, you would struggle to buy a home. Now you're struggling to rent a home. You saw this when you visited the New South Wales mid-north coast. Tell me about Kyla Jobson. Yeah, so Kyla is a single mother of two lovely little kids. Don't Don't disappear. And she's a hospitality worker, so she's working as a cleaner and behind the bar of a tavern in Bellingen. She was living in a rental property, um, which was really falling down around her ears, to be honest. I noticed that there were, like, bubbles popping up in the ceiling and you could tell it had been leaking and then destroyed my son's bed. Every time it rains, it just leaks straight through. A few months ago, the owner decided to put up the rent. So she gave notice thinking with five months to go in the lease that she would be fine to find another place. And she applied for dozens and dozens of properties. And when we caught up with her the day that she was moving, she had nowhere to go. And so she was going to be moving into the motel where she works with her two kids into a one-bedroom motel room. It's kind of hard. I keep going through, like, excited that we're out of it because a lot of the mould and things inside I was worried about for my kids and the baby, but I'm a bit upset because you just don't know where I'm going. So this is a woman who who has a job, has good employment, has kids to look after, Mm. a reasonable rental record, but there was nothing that she could find? Yeah. When we went to visit Bellingen, it it really has changed. I mean, I remember going there, you know, more than a decade ago to cover a story and it was quite a sort of quiet, sleepy, nice country town. Now it's very, well, yeah, gentrified. Like, you know, they're all lovely clothes in the shops and $60 candles and cafes and all that sort of stuff. And Kyla told me that, you know, houses that she was looking at, you know, a couple of years ago that were being advertised for $350 a week, they're now going for $650, $700 a week. And it's like, I walked through that house, like, I... And how much do you earn a week? Um, on about seven fifty after tax, yeah. You know, it was interesting in Bellingen, um, there were cafes there when we were there that had signs up saying, you know, was there any accommodation for their staff because their staff had nowhere to live. It's people who are sort of in, you know, lower paid industries but really vital industries that we found and not just in Bellingen but also in Coffs Harbour where we also looked at the issues there just, you know, it's just a few minutes up the road. 
you're talking retail workers, hospitality workers, disability workers, aged care workers, nurses, people who, you know, once upon a time would have been able to find affordable housing in a place like this. Tell me what's going on here. We know this is a growing problem. We're seeing it, especially in coastal areas and regional towns. Why are we seeing such big rent rises? COVID was a really big issue. People were working from home and it became the norm that, you know, you could do your job remotely. Um, A lot of people came up from Melbourne. They saw it as an opportunity to be by the beach, to get a property that is a lot cheaper than what they're leaving. But also there's the, the other issue of Airbnb because also during COVID, there was a lot more, as well as internal migration, there was a lot more internal tourism because people weren't going overseas. And a lot of people who had holiday houses were putting them on the market for Airbnb. It's a perfect storm. Like There's no other way of putting it. So when the private rental market doesn't deliver, there's social housing to provide some long-term help, right? Well, no, because there has been chronic underinvestment for decades in social housing. And if you look at Coffs Harbour as a case study, the wait list there is one of the longest in New South Wales. It's more than 10 years, but like more than 10 years is just the, is just the highest bracket that they measure it by. It's way more than, than that. You're looking at you know, 15 years plus to get a social housing home. They just stop counting after 10 years, is that it? Yeah, pretty much, exactly. So the the private rental market, it's just too expensive. We've got people waiting more than a decade for social housing. So where do people go? Is this putting more pressure on crisis accommodation? Where are the limits then? It is putting a lot of pressure on crisis accommodation and also homelessness providers. So we went to a place called Pete's Place, which is the sort of drop-in centre for homeless people in the Coffs Harbour region. And the woman who runs it, Anna Scott, told us that they had gone from when they opened in 2018 to from seeing 20 people a day to now 80 people a day. We're seeing a lot more families, people with children, people with disabilities, um, our older Australians as well. We're seeing a lot more people that we would have been able to move out of homelessness quite quickly a few years ago and we're no longer able to do that. I spoke to a person called Jessica. She was paying almost $800 a week to live in a cabin on a, in a caravan park. But of course, you know, she couldn't do that long term. If you don't get a place over the next few days, what happens to you and your son? Well, essentially, he'll go with my sister every night time. I'm either, if... It's possible in the back of her car, but if not, I've got a tent and a swag that provided by Pete's Place to sleep in, which that's scary. <laughs> Could you have ever imagined that you'd end up living in a tent? No. Again, like Kyla Jobson, she had applied for dozens of properties and she was really worried that she was going to lose her nine-year-old son because she didn't have a place for them to live. I don't want to lose my boy. A simple thing of not being able to house my son could, there, there could be that, or that, that he could be, I could lose my son. And, and that's, not, that's not fair. And you'd be losing him because you don't have Yeah, a no, house. Not, not for my own choices. 
Not because you're a bad mum. No. This really does demonstrate the cascading effect that we're seeing here. If you can't find a rental, you're then looking for crisis accommodation. People who might have previously relied on crisis accommodation, as you say, are relying on couches and swags or tents. Uh, Tell me about what you saw of people living that precarious existence. Yeah, it was really interesting. We went for a drive around with Sarah Borat, who is from a not-for-profit organisation called New Horizons. They're just giving people tents because there are no houses. So this is one of our hotspots. So we went around to these campsites and they're very precarious because, you know, they're not necessarily allowed to actually camp in the places that they're at and it's quite unsafe. The the people who live there, well, a lot of them, you know, they might work during the day, but if not, they clear out during the day because they don't want to be seen by the rangers and, and yeah. moved on. They'll get down here late night and then they'll move on early, early morning before the beach walkers and things like that start. And we'll quite often have people camping in the bush here as well. Now, the new government has come to power promising to do something about this. The government has promised 20,000 social houses over the next five years and 10,000 affordable houses over the next five years. On top of that, the states have promised another 15,500 homes. So the the, the 20,000 social housing homes... It's roughly double what was built under the life of the previous government. However, the Australian Council of Social Services and 70 other peak agencies in this area said we need 25,000 homes per year to deal with the current crisis. Per year. Per Per year. year. So the the previous government over its nine-year life? 12,162. And now we're saying per year we need 25,000. Yeah. So if you put together what the new federal government is promising and what the states have promised, it's still a third of what ACOS is saying is needed just to deal with the current crisis. You know, it's, it's really, really problematic. And I spoke to the new housing minister, Julie Collins, who like Anthony Albanese, actually spent time in her childhood in social housing. So unusually for a politician does have an understanding of this. Here we are. She didn't really quite answer it. She was like, we're just trying to do things as quickly as we can. We're looking at all the different options. We're miles behind the eight ball. Uh, The former government clearly didn't do enough when it came to getting more stock of social and affordable houses on the ground. So shouldn't that 30,000 figure be three times that then? Well, we've got the constraints also in the sec- in the construction sector. Um, you know, we need to be able to build homes as fast as we can. That's what we're going to do. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem right in Australia, given how wealthy we are, that people who are working full time can't find a place to live. So the, we have plans from the federal government and, and state governments to build more housing, but it's not enough and it, what is going to be built is going to take some years. So where does that leave people looking for a home 
right now. It leaves them living in tents. It leaves them living in motels. It leaves them trying to find $800 a week for a cabin, living in cars, couch surfing with relatives. That's the shame that Australia is facing right now and will do so for the foreseeable future. Louise Milligan is a reporter for Four Corners on ABC TV. You can watch her full report on iView. This episode was produced by Sydney Peed and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Mel Clark, and ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. And to get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.